Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Some of you are awake. Some of you are still waking up. Kevin and Stacey are awake. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Yes. there. And I just noticed you guys got the Christmas colors going. Red, green. It's awesome. Love it. Uh, well, um, if you are our guest uh, this morning, uh, welcome. Thanks for worshiping with us. My name's Ryan. I'm the pastor here at Anchor Church, and we're just so, so glad that you decided to join us on our uh, candlelight Christmas service. So um, it's, it's a little unique not having our own, um, our own uh, building right now, like, right? So like normally we do like a candlelight service on Christmas Eve or something like that, but since... Um, since we, we share space with the Boys and Girls Club, um, we, we had to kind of modify a little bit. So today is our candlelight service, so uh, I'm real excited about that. We're continuing in our Advent at Anchor series, and um, today we are lighting the candle of joy, the pink candle. And uh, the first week was the candle of hope. The second week was the candle of peace. Last week we lit the candle of love, and today is the candle of joy. Next week for Christmas, when we're online only, we're going to light the final candle of the Advent season. Um, and I won't give away what that is yet, even though you can Google it and find out. But um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to conclude our Advent and Anchor series next week uh, online for Christmas. So um, make sure you join us with that. But like I said, this is the candle of joy. Um, and we're going we're gonna to look at the scriptures today um, and, and kind of see what the scriptures have to, have to tell us about joy and, and, and the joy that the birth of Christ bought, uh, brought us. But before I dive into the scriptures, um, I just wanted to share some thoughts I was having this week as I was preparing this message. Um, I think if, if I was to share the most significant events of my childhood, right, good and bad, right, all the, the significant ones, if I was to share those with you, many people would probably assume that I had a pretty sad, like, upbringing, sad childhood. I've shared before, um, you know, some of, the, some of the things that I've experienced in my childhood, some of the abuses and that kind of thing at the hands of my stepdad and how traumatic that was and, and um, just the healing that the Lord had to walk me through and the forgiveness that I had to, like, you know, find and all that. And, um, but outside of that relationship, I largely had a pretty good childhood. I was thinking about it this week, like, putting this together. Like, man, like, out, outside of that, I had a good childhood. Like, right, my mom, like, loved me, and she did everything she could to make sure I had everything I needed. My brothers were always there for me. My aunts and uncles were awesome. My cousins were like brothers and sisters. Like my grandparents were incredible. I didn't, I didn't have like the typical response to like a grandparent, you know, like I feel like most people when they're, when they're, you know, here, we're going to go to grandma's house, like oh, grandma, you know, that kind of thing. But like, I was always excited to go to my grandma's house because my grandma was like my second mom. My grandpa was like my second uh, dad. And so it was always, it was always, awesome to go over to their house, and, and like, I had a good life growing up outside of the, that one relationship with my stepdad, and nowadays, like, now that I've walked through the healing of, of the pain and stuff, and I've, I've been able to forgive that relationship uh, that caused so much pain, like, I can look back at my childhood mostly with fond memories, right? I had a lot of joy, even though there was some pretty hard circumstances in my 
childhood. And, and again, I was thinking about this this week. Humans have pursued joy in every way imaginable. Humans have been chasing joy, trying to, to chase down that joy every way they can think of to try to change their circumstances. And some have successfully found joy, right? Some have successfully found it, but most people that, that try to chase down joy, they, they're not able to find it. They're not able to find it. And, and I want to describe some ways to you right now where, where we can't find joy, some, some places that joy cannot be found. Joy cannot be found in unbelief. It can't be found in unbelief. There is a um, French uh, poet, French author, his name was Voltaire. He was an unbeliever, non-believer of like the most pronounced kind. He was a, an atheist, didn't believe in any God, just kind of thought we were all just here, just doing our thing. And at the end of his life, he wrote this, I wish I'd never been born. Can't find joy in unbelief. It's not there. You're not going to be able to find joy in pleasure. Lord, uh, Lord Byron, he's an English poet and politician. He lived a life, a life of pleasure if anyone did. And he wrote this at the end of his life. The worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Out of a life that pursuing pleasure, all he had to show for it was grief. Not going to find joy in, in pleasure. You're not going to find joy in money. Jay Gould, uh, the, the American millionaire, he was a railroad tycoon. He had plenty of money. He said this at the end of his life. He said, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. He said that on his deathbed. I'm the most miserable man on earth. He had plenty of money. Didn't find joy in that. Can't find joy in your position or, or in fame. Lord Beaconsfield, he's a former prime minister of the United Kingdom. He had plenty of position. He had plenty of fame. And he wrote this towards the end of his life. Youth is a mistake. Manhood a struggle. Old age a regret. Doesn't matter what your position is. Doesn't matter how famous you are. You're not going to find joy in that. You're not going to find joy in military glory. Alexander the Great conquered the known world in his day. And having done so, having done so, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. Where can joy be found? Where can we find joy? Um, in what types of things are you looking for joy? And in, in, in what types of places are you pursuing joy? Some people look for joy in their careers. They work really hard and they work really long trying to, trying to build this career that's going to change their circumstances or change their, their family's future or whatever. And, and, and at the end of it, it just kind of feels empty sometimes. It feels meaningless. Like not, not, that having a, not that having a career is bad, not that enjoying what you do for a living is bad. I'm not saying that. But when your hope is in that, when you're, you're looking for your, your complete joy in that, you're going to come up empty. Joy is not found in a career. When you're, when you're banking on that, when you're banking on finding your joy in, in your career and, and your circumstances don't change and you don't find it, that leads to frustration and it leads to disappointment. Others look for joy in romantic relationships. Hollywood would have us believe that to be somebody, you've got to be with somebody. 
right? And so everybody's kind of searching for that one relationship that's going to complete them, that's going to bring them full joy, and, you know, the birds are going to sing differently, and the colors are going to be more brilliant when you have this relationship, right? Like everybody's looking for that because that's what we're told is going to make us happy. It's going to bring us joy. But here's what I know. No matter how much you love somebody, no matter how strongly you feel for somebody, they're going to let you down eventually, and that's going to lead to frustration and disappointment. True joy cannot be found in a romantic relationship, but still others look for joy in artificial ways. Drugs, alcohol, other addictive substances. We, we look for joy in, in chasing a, a high and, and when that high wears off, we're left with our circumstances, seeing that nothing has actually changed. We were just distracted for a few hours. There's more ways. There's more ways that I'm not going to get into that people chase joy. They're trying to pursue joy, but the result is always the same. They're Joy is always elusive in those situations. They're never able to grasp it. They're never able to really live in it. No matter what we try sometimes, real joy seems so elusive. So where do we find joy? Where do we find this real joy? I want to look at the scriptures today, and I want to see what the scriptures have to tell us about joy. But first, would you pray with me? Let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for ah, joy and peace and love and hope. We thank you for uh, the birth of your son. And we just ask, God, that you would um, speak to our hearts today. Speak to our spirits in a way that we would clearly understand you. Help us to take the truth of your word today and apply it to our lives in a meaningful way. We love you, God. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 39. Uh, really quickly, whenever I preach, I, I always try to preach from a perspective of there and then. Now what that means is if we're going to understand how the Bible applies to our lives here and now, we have to understand what was going on there and then. To understand the words of the Bible, I believe we have to understand the world of the Bible. And really quickly, we're in Luke uh, why it's called Luke, it's the Gospel of Luke. That means the person who wrote it, his name was Luke. And uh, theologians and uh, biblical scholars have identified that this author, Luke, the guy who authored the Gospel of Luke, and he also, they also believe he authored the, the book of Acts as well, um, they've identified that this guy, Luke, was actually a physician. He was, he was in the medical field. And so... Um, I'm going to refer to him today as Dr. Luke because he was a doctor. So uh, we are uh, reading uh, this gospel of Dr. Luke. Who, he's a scholar and he's a historian himself. Okay, so I'll get, I'll get into why that matters in just a little bit, but keep that in the back of your head. Luke, the guy who's, who we're reading, his writing, he's a scholar and a historian himself. So Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, it says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just really quick note, I think it's crazy that at the sound of the voice, 
of the mother of Jesus, this woman was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's crazy to me. Like that, that is kind of like a, a foreshadowing of like the power that's coming in, in my opinion, right? Like at the sound of the voice of the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's crazy. So anyways, just a little aside. That's a powerful moment. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Now really quickly, when it comes to the Bible, I've said this before. Um, if you're our guest today, you've never, you probably never heard me say this, so I'm going to explain it really quickly. The Bible wasn't originally written in English, right? That kind of sounds like a dub, but a lot of people don't understand that sometimes. Um, the Bible was not originally written in English. Uh, it was, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and some in Aramaic, and then the New Testament was written in Greek. And those words sometimes from those languages, when translated to English, we don't have like some of the right words to describe the things that were going on. Like um, some, th some things, some ideas get lost in translation. We don't, the English language doesn't have adequate words sometimes to translate the ideas that scripture is trying to communicate. So English translators do their best, but sometimes it's just not, it's, it's not enough. So anyways, I say this to say the Greek word that's used here when Elizabeth says, God has blessed you, your child is blessed, that Greek word has three meanings wrapped in one. It means blessed, happy, fortunate, all at once. Blessed, happy, fortunate, all at once. And so Elizabeth, there is no English word that is adequate to describe what Elizabeth is proclaiming here, right? Mary, you are blessed, happy, fortunate. Your child is blessed, happy, fortunate, all at once. That's, that's there, again, the Luke, Dr. Luke, he's trying to set up that something big is coming. Something big is coming. Verse 43, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now the next part that I'm going to read is called the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise. And this is, um, this is Mary singing uh, and, and just praising God um, for what he's done and what he's going to do. Um, verse 46, it says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. So like I said, this is called the Magnificat. It's, it's Mary's song of praise, and it's really, it's really um, popular in, in the Christmas story because it's, it's Mary recognizing what God is doing. It's Mary praising God for, for what he's doing. Um, 
But I think there's, there's something we should take notice of in, in this Magnificat, and it's Mary's, the language that she uses in some of the verses. From verse 51 to 53, take notice of some of the things she says. He scattered the proud and haughty. He brought princes down from their thrones. He exalted the humble. The hungry are filled. The rich are sent away with empty hands. On the surface, these things might not seem that significant, um, but this is what's known as reversal of fortunes language. Now, reversal of fortunes is a literary device that... um, that authors use to um, kind of tell of like a story shifting, to tell of a turning point in a story that's going to lead to a resolution. This is a, a known literary device that, that authors uh, in literature use, and Dr. Luke is using this literary device here. He's using this reversal of fortunes term or this reversal of fortunes idea to communicate what is happening, to, to make a huge point. Like I said, Dr. Luke was a scholar and a historian himself, and uh, this, he told the story about Mary in a way, like and, and her song, he told the story about it in a way to specifically trigger thoughts of another instance in Scripture. This is, I mean... I'm getting really nerdy here, but this is like what theologians and biblical scholars have identified. The way Luke has constructed this portion in in his gospel is specifically structured to trigger thoughts of Hannah in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. In the beginning of 1 Samuel, we can read about a woman named Hannah. Now, Hannah is not immediately like Mary. Hannah is an old woman. She's married, and she, but she's barren. She can't have any kids. Okay, and so we, we read in First Samuel that Hannah, she really wants a son, and but she can't have have one. And so she goes to the temple where God's she she goes to the temple where God's presence dwells, and she begs God, God, give me a son. If you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. She just she just wanted to be able to to give a kid or like have a kid, you know. And and she said, God, if you give me one, I will give him back. And so. This is where the similarities between Hannah and Mary pick up. God blesses Hannah with a son supernaturally, and and she becomes pregnant, and she gives birth to this this kid, and and then we see Hannah's response to this supernatural pregnancy in in, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. I'm going to read it really quickly. It says, Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. So we see here that uh, Hannah's song begins with, My heart rejoices in the Lord, just like Mary's song began. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Hannah says, I rejoice because you rescued me. Mary says, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What does a Savior do? He rescues. Hannah says, there is no rock like our God. Mary says, the mighty one is holy. And remember, holy means different. It means set apart. There is no one like him. But this is not where the similarities end. Let's keep reading. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3 through 8 says, stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is broken, 
And those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving. And those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children. And the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes places them in seats of honor for all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. So I have a comparison graphic. I don't know if they've already put it up yet, but we have a comparison graphic. If you can read that, it's the song of Hannah next to the song of Mary side by side and just all the different comparisons. And if you noticed Hannah in her song of praise, she had a lot of that reversal of fortunes uh, language. She was talking about princes being made low and uh, poor people being raised up and rich becoming poor and poor becoming rich, like this reversal of fortunes thing. Why? Why are they talking about reversal of fortunes? Why is, is Dr. Luke telling the story of Mary in a way that's going to make he, uh, Hebrew readers think about Hannah? Because in 1 Samuel, if you read 1 Samuel, you see that the kingdom of Israel is finally established, that, that God has established Israel not only as a people, but now as a nation. They, they are established as a nation, and he goes on and he appoints them as a king, and they like start operating as a true nation. But he's, he's, he's trying to make the point like God's taking it a step further. He's going he's gonna to step it up a notch. In Samuel, it led to the kingdom of Israel being established, but now in Luke, with the birth of Jesus, we're establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. Like, and if if you don't, if if you don't stop and kind of like read it closely, you miss the significance of it. Luke is saying, "This is what happened then. This is what's happening now, and it's an even bigger deal." And and this idea of of God's kingdom being established on earth, it brought great joy. To everybody. It was a big deal. It brought great joy because that's what everybody was waiting for. God's kingdom to be established on earth. And it's happening now through the birth of this kid from Mary. It brought great joy to those who were waiting on God. Like I said, joy is very sought after, but it's so elusive. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, many people have tried to find joy in, in many different things, and they usually always come up short. The Apostle Paul's prayer for all believers everywhere was this. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from the Lord only. We can search for it anywhere else, but we will never find it. It comes from the Lord only. And today I want to look at three truths that the Bible teaches us about joy. Three truths that we find in the Word of God about joy. These are truths that we need to learn. These are truths that we need to hold on to because we're not always going to feel joyful, but you can have joy in the midst of any 
circumstance. So that first, the first truth about joy that I want to talk about today is this. Joy is an invaluable gift of God that radiates to others. Joy is an invaluable gift of God that radiates to others. John chapter 15 verse 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That was the words of Jesus and he's talking to his disciples. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Think about that really quick. We can have complete joy in the Lord. Our joy can be fully complete in him. Joy comes from believing God. Joy comes from belonging to his kingdom. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. Outside of that, we can't have true joy. And I'm not talking about happiness, right? I've, I've talked about this before. Joy and happiness are different. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness is a feeling based on your circumstances. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about joy, Joy is an inner contentedness regardless of your circumstances. You can have joy in any situation. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness goes away when your circumstances change. Happiness goes away when your emotions change, but joy stays with you. The joy of the Lord comes from the Holy Spirit. When you have that real joy inside of you, it overflows to everyone else. It overflows to everyone you come in contact with. A.W. Tozer, he's a he was a Christian pastor and um, author. He's a magazine editor. He was a spiritual mentor to many. He said this, the widest thing in the universe is not space. It is the potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of almost unlimited extension in all directions. And one of the world's largest or greatest tragedies is that we allow our hearts to shrink until there is room in them for little besides ourselves. God gave us incredible capacity to influence other people. God gave us incredible ability to influence other people. And one of the greatest influences we have as Christ followers is joy. It's, it's that joy that can't be taken away. When you have joy, it's extremely difficult to keep it to yourself, right? When you are joyful about something, everybody knows it, right? Like you can't hold it in. It just kind of just comes out, right? And it's like, that, it's like that worship song that we sing. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We can't be quiet. We shout out your praise. That's what happens when you're full of joy. You, you can't keep it to yourself, and it, it radiates to other people. When you've got the gift of joy, you can't keep it in. Joy, joy is the birthright of the children of God. If you consider yourself a child of God today, it is your birthright to live in joy. And if you're not living in joy, you're living beneath the privileges that come as his follower. Think about that. Joy is your birthright as his child, and if you're not living in joy, you're living beneath the privileges of being his follower. If you want people to believe in your Savior, you want people to come to know Christ, your life has to be marked by authentic the authenticity of joy, right? You're... you're the mark of authenticity of, of a Christ follower is, is the life of joy in the Lord. So that's the first truth that I want to talk about today. First truth about joy that we find in the Word of God, that joy is an invaluable gift 
of God that radiates to others. The second truth about joy that we find in God's word is this. Trusting God with our future brings undeniable joy and peace. Trusting God with our future brings undeniable joy and peace. Proverbs 16.20 says, Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Understanding and embracing that he is God and I'm not. Living the, that principle, I, like, he's God, I'm not God. And embracing that, it completely changes our outlook on everything. Understanding, trusting that he's God and I'm not changes everything. And we saw this with Hannah and Mary. They trusted God no matter what. And because of that, they had great joy and they couldn't help but sing it out. They, it couldn't help but radiate from them. They trusted God. Trusting God is, is all about the future. And trusting God is all about uncertainty. While most people um, spend many, many years worrying about their futures, right, and, and vigorously planning and, you know, just, I mean, worry is the best, the best word, just fearing their futures, right? Am I going to be taken care of and trying to get the retirement counts all good and, and the investment properties and the insurance policies and all the last will and testaments. Like, hear me. I'm not saying those things are bad. I have retirement accounts, right? I have a last will and testament. I have insurance policy. I'm not saying don't have those things. What I am saying is my hope is not in those things. What I am saying is I don't trust in those things to make sure that I'm secure. My trust is in God. And because my trust is in God and I trust God with my future, I have joy. I'm able to live in joy and I'm able to live in peace. Again, hear me clearly. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm saying your joy can't be found in those things. Your trust should not be in those things. It should be in him, in him alone. Are you worrying about your future? Are you worrying about how you're going to be taken care of when you're older? If you're, if you're worrying that about those things, if you're living that way, God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to trust him. And in that trust comes joy. Are you worrying about who you're going to lose? That's a real thing. As a parent, I'm, I find myself worrying sick that something's going to happen to one of my boys. God doesn't want me to live that way. He wants me to trust him that he, no matter what, he knows what he's doing. And in that trust, I can have joy. I can have real joy and peace. When you trust him with your future, it brings undeniable joy into your life. The birth of Christ did that for us. So the first truth is that joy is an undeniable gift, or it's an invaluable gift that um, radiates to others. The second truth is that um, Trusting God with our future brings undeniable joy and peace. The third truth I want to talk about today is this. Lasting joy is possible in every season when we follow God's truths. Lasting joy is possible in every season when we follow God's truths. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That's Psalm 1. 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of, uh, that, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And he meditates. That, that word blessed, blessed, happy, fortunate, is the person who meditates on the law of the Lord. Lasting joy is possible in every season when we follow God's truths. Even in a situation where Hannah was down and out, she was able to have joy. Even in a situation where Mary was disadvantaged, she was oppressed. She lived under the oppression of the Roman Empire as a Jew. She was still able to have joy. In every situation, in every circumstance, joy is possible when we follow God's truths. Uh, When I was a young adult, uh, I became acquaintances with uh, a lady in my church. Her name was Amy Schreiber, and Amy was about 80 years old, and she was incredible, an incredible woman of God. Like, I want a relationship with the Lord like she had, like, amazing woman. And we had nothing in common at all, and, but she just felt like, she just felt like the Lord was, was putting on her heart that she needed to kind of speak life into me every now and then, right? And so she just kind of cold turkey come up and started like forging this relationship with me. And it, it just ended up being such a blessing, the relationship, uh, the friendship that I had with, with Amy. And she's an amazing woman, um, full of joy always, always full of joy. <clears throat> Even when the cancer diagnosis came. She was diagnosed with cancer, and it was terminal. It was inoperable. And when she shared this with me, I, like the, I, it must have been the look on my face or something, but she saw that I was, like, scared or nervous or something, and she goes, you know what, Ryan? Even though I'm sick, it can't take my joy away from me. That was her response every time. Every time I would bring it up or every time I would ask her about it, even though I'm sick, it can't take my joy away from me. And, like, I just thought she was just being a sweet old lady, you know, but, like that was real. Like that, that attitude about her joy and, not, and it not being able to be taken from her was a real thing. Even on her deathbed. Um, she, she was to the point where she, she couldn't leave bed anymore and she could, she could barely speak, but I got to go see her um, before she passed and I got to just thank her for I, I just got to thank her for, for being a mentor of sorts and speaking into my life and, and encouraging me and exhorting me. And, and that's what she did in that last meeting that I had with her. She was encouraging me and she was exhorting me, you know, you know, stay, keep following the Lord, keep pursuing him, keep chasing. You know, she's she just being her. And, and she's, again, she's an amazing lady. And um, before I left, I was, I was saying goodbye and, and, I, I asked her something to the effect of if she was, because it was kind of known, like she was like, she was almost like, it was almost time for her to, to go, right? Um, and I, I said something to the effect of like, you know, Amy, are you, are you nervous? Are you scared? Or, you know, something like that. And she just, with her eyes closed, she just snickered and she just said, I might be sick, but it can't take my joy. Like, Man, and like I gently hugged her and I said goodbye and a few days later, a week later, like Amy went to go be with Jesus. Like that's that's a true story. Like 
this, this lady, Amy, incredible woman of God, full of joy in every circumstance, even when everything started going downhill for her, she was able to live in joy because joy isn't an emotion, right? It's not a fleeting feeling. Joy is an inner contentedness from the Holy Spirit despite our circumstances. Many people don't understand that kind of response to trials, right? Uh, many people don't understand that kind of response to bad things, but joy doesn't live in the past. Your, your joy, true joy from the Lord, does not live in the past, and, and true joy sees beyond our present circumstances into the future where God is in control, where God is sovereign, and that's what the birth of Jesus did for us. That's what the birth of Jesus did for us. It, it was able to give us joy and peace and love and hope to be able to not just endure this world, but thrive in it. That's what the birth of Christ is about, that we're able to have hope, that we're able to have peace, we're able to love and be loved, and we're able to have joy. Worship team, you can come to the platform. As Christmas draws more near, we look, we joyfully look forward to the celebration of the birth of Christ. We look back at the, at the blessed event and we rejoice in a, a promise fulfilled. We rejoice in a, a Savior being born. Back then, God's people had joy because they anticipated a time when the promised Messiah would come and fix everything. They anticipated a time when would God, God's promises would be fulfilled, and that's why they had joy. Today, our joy is anchored in the knowledge that God has fulfilled his promises, that God is in control, that, that he is sovereign. And with Advent almost over, our joyful anticipation of Christmas is it's coming to a head. It's coming to a climax. But it's important that we remember that the joy we have in Christ is it's not seasonal. It's not situational. It's lasting. We can have it all year round. This, this joy that I'm talking about, this, this unwavering peace that I've talked about, this, this love, this, the hope, it's, it's not seasonal, it's not situational. It doesn't go away when we take down our Christmas decorations. Like the joy of God's people in the Bible, our joy is a response to what God has already done and what he continues to do. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you. Thank you for joy. Joy from your Holy Spirit, God, that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't, it doesn't fully make sense in our heads, but it's still real. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that this joy is possible because of the birth of your Son. I love the line of, of that, that new song we sang today. Rejoice, O world, your Savior has come. Be joyful, world, because you're not doomed anymore. 
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For anybody here, God, who may be struggling with this idea of joy or maybe struggling with the idea of seeing joy as a gift or, or maybe struggling in the area of trusting you or, or maybe struggling with the area of having lasting joy in every circumstance, God, I, I pray for those right now. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself to them in those situations. You would make, you would make them feel that real joy, that true joy. You would you allow them to, to live in that joy from this moment on. We love you, God. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you're here today and you don't know what this joy I'm talking about, it doesn't make any sense to you at all because you don't know Jesus. Like maybe, maybe you're in a place where you don't have a relationship with God, or maybe once you did have a relationship with God, but for some reason you walked away. Today could be the day where all that changes for you. Today could be the day where you come back home to him. Today can be the day where you start living in the joy of the Lord. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know God, or, or I used to, but I want to again. If that's you, I want... I'm going to ask you in a little bit to raise your hand just so I can pray for you. Um, I don't want to leave here without giving, without giving us an opportunity to, to receive him if that's what we need to do. So um, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to make this a, a personal moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know God but I want to, or, or Pastor Ryan, I used to know God and I want to come back home. If that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Now, there's nothing, there's nothing magical or, or special about raising your hand. I just want to identify who I'm praying with specifically. So if that's you at the count of three, raise your hand. One, God loves you so, so much. Two, he wants you to live in his joy. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand. Raise it high so I can pray with you today. Okay, this is what I want to do. I want to lead us in a prayer right now. Whether or not you raised your hand, I'm going to ask everybody in the house to repeat this after me so that nobody feels, um, nobody feels singled out. Nobody feels like I'm picking on them or anything like that. <clears throat> so repeat after me if you would. Say, Heavenly Father, today I recognize that I'm far from you. Today I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. I repent of my sin and I turn to you today. Teach me how to follow you and teach me how to know you better. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ today, welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Um, best decision, best decision you, you'll ever make, I, I think. So um, what I want to do right now is um, I want to respond um, but I, I'm not going to do our normal way of responding. Uh, Ms. Pat, you can hit the lights. Thank you. Um, we're going to do this. 
if you're committed to being a person of joy, a Christ follower that, that radiates joy to everyone, if you're committed to trusting him with your future, if you're committed to um, lasting joy in every circumstance, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come light your candle from the joy candle. But this is how we're going to do it. Since the cameras are right here, I need you to go to the outside of the rows and come, come that way. Um, the worship team's going to lead us in a song. Um, worship team's going to lead us in a song as we do this. Um, but just as you feel led, if, if you're committed to being a person of joy, come light your candle from the candle of joy. Come now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hope is ours, God. Thank you. Peace is ours, God. Thank you. Love is ours, God. Thank you. Joy is ours, God. Thank you. God, I, I don't know where I'd be without you. But thank you. This Christmas, God, we, we recognize the gift you gave. God, as we as we give gifts this Christmas, as we receive gifts this Christmas, may we, may we be reminded of the gift you gave to us, your son, to buy us back from sin, to buy us back from darkness, to adopt us into your kingdom. May we always remember that, God. We love you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Really quickly, as, a, as, as always, I, I have a couple of next steps, just something that we can do to tangibly take, take the message and, and apply it this week. The first one is this. This week I will memorize John 15, 11. These are the words of Jesus. It says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And the second one, this week, I will let the joy of the Lord overflow from me to all those around me. May you be people of joy. May you let joy live in your heart 
and may you share the joy of Christ with all you meet. May you share the joy by seeing the good in each other, by remembering good times, and by hoping for good times to come. In this Advent season, we need to see, feel, and share joy. As you go, share joy, love, peace, and hope with those you meet. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us. Merry Christmas. We love you guys. We uh, remember we're online only uh, the next two Sundays, but we look forward to getting back together. We love you guys. Merry Christmas.